Shenandoah Heights Baptist Church, when uh, our softball coach came up, he, ta he coached our co-ed softball team, and he said, oh, Pastor, would you mind if I invite all my, all my players to the Sunday service? He said, I got, got something that I want to want to try to get into the service. I said, no, praise God, bring them on. And uh, he brought them on, and uh, Mike and Susan were one of the, one of the couple. And uh, praise God, God touched his heart that day. Amen? Amen? And I'll tell you what, you got a good one. Hang on to him. Hang on to both of them and the family. And uh, take care of them because God has blessed you with a, with a good man and a good woman and a great family. And uh, he's doing mighty things through uh, Brother Mike. And uh, uh, I'm saying all this, but I, I might be on air and he might be listening. So <laughs> I, I don't want to blow his head up too big. You know what I mean? So, but it is good. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you'll turn to the, to the book of Ephesians chapter number 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've got all that stuff I think that everybody's dealing with right now, so you'll just excuse me. Uh, but as, you, as you're turning uh, in your Bible, and praise God, I hope you have your Bible with you this morning. Uh, it's nothing better than to listen in the pages turning in the Bible, amen? And uh, you do realize, you know, your Bible's better, can, this is better than Kentucky Fried Chicken, because this is the finger licking good. You know, you do this all, all the time, right? It is finger licking good, so, uh, but anyway, no. Ephesians chapter number 6, and uh, I want to ask you this morning a question. I want to contemplate just for a little while this morning. By the way, Brother Mike said I had an hour, is that right? Oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. You know, you know what happens when a Baptist, uh, Baptist pastor looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I want to ask you a question. How sharp is your sword this morning? How sharp is your sword? You know, it was recorded that during the coronation of King Edward VI, after various ceremonial swords had been brought to him by his noblemen, the king looked at all of his noblemen, and this is what he said. There is one sword yet lacking, the sword of the Spirit. Which is the word of God. Without that sword, we are nothing, and we can do nothing. Dear friends, this sword that you have in your hands, the sword of the Lord, is, a, is vital to our existence as Christians. Can I get an amen? amen? And I want you to know that we can do nothing without it, and without it, we are nothing. So this morning... I want to challenge each and every one of you from the youngest that's in here this morning. And I believe I heard him a little while ago. He said amen, by the way. I know that. I heard that loud and clear. Okay? And, but I want to challenge each one from the youngest to the oldest to know the sword of the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning to trust the sword of the Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning, above all, to use the sword of the Lord, God's holy word. And I don't know what, the, what Mike does here in the church, but I love standing at the reading of God's holy word. So if you'll take your Bibles, if you're able to this morning, if you'll stand with me at the reading of God's holy word, Ephesians chapter number 6, we're going to start in verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Can I get an amen on that? Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly, I ought, as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, as we come into your house this morning, Father, as we, as we bow our heads and our hearts before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father God, acknowledging you as the one and only true God, the Lord, King of kings and the Lord of lords, Father, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the blood that was shed on that cross of Calvary. Lord, we thank you for the love and the grace and the mercies that were so willingly and freely given to us. Lord, as you hung upon that cross, Lord, we, we love you this morning. And Lord, there's no doubt how much you love us. Father God, Lord, as we come this morning to worship, and Lord, I do pray that as we walk out of this service this morning, we can say to everyone that we were in a worship service. For if we walk out of here saying that we were in a church service, Lord, we failed to do what we want to do today. And that's to lift up and to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to worship you boldly today, Father. I thank you for the music that's already lifted up and encouraged us today. And Lord, I pray that you'll open the hearts and the eyes of each and every sheep in here today, that they'll hear your sweet voice speak to them. Lord, get me totally out of the way. I'm unworthy to stand behind this sacred pulpit, Father God. But Lord, through your strength and through your words, Lord, I pray for encouragement today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. This one's not working? Hey, praise God. My wife's been looking for that mute button for years. <laughs> I think you finally found it. All right. This one's on. So you got it? Got to mute it until I can get it on? Can you hear can you hear me now? Now we got it. <laughs> Amen. 
Satan ain't going to win this one. I know ain't it a good word, but I taught PE for 38 years. <laughs> I usually don't need a microphone. I've got that gym voice, you know. You can go all the way across the gym and get that one right over there. So, But as we look at the first part of the book of Ephesians here, Paul deals with our position in Christ. And for, let me, before we go any further, let me say this. There's only one way to heaven. Amen? There, this world, this crazy world that we're in today is teaching that there are more ways than one. And we know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto me except through the Father. Except through me. No man comes to the Father except through me. And friends, we know there's only one way. And I pray to God that if you're not saved today, I pray the Lord touches your heart today, and today will be your day of salvation. Amen? But we know Paul dealt with their position in Christ. And then, uh, and then in chapter 2, he, he goes on and he talks about this, this mystery. He talks about regeneration by grace through faith. And, and the mystery is revealed that not only, not only the, uh, the, the Jews were, would be able to, to go to heaven and be saved, but also the Gentiles, and it was a mystery. And he goes on in chapter 3 and he expands on that mystery a little bit. And then we see in chapter 4 or 5, in the first, first part of chapter 6, Paul deals with uh, the walk of the believer and how we should be walking in Christ. He shifts from that doctrinal to the practical walk and the daily walk of the believer. And he deals with that, that practical outworking of Christ as you allow the Holy Spirit. We, we all know that when we're born again, bought by the blood of Jesus, that we are filled 100% with His Holy Spirit. Amen? We are just saturated like a sponge. We can't get any more. And I'll tell you what, there's no better feeling than be saturated with the Holy Spirit. Amen? But I tell you what, friends, we're not supposed to keep Him in. We're not supposed to put a bushel on that, on that light, a bushel basket on that light. So we're supposed to allow it to come out. So we're supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to come out and show the, the love of Christ. To a, to a lost and dying world. Because I tell you, friends, it is dark and dying when you walk through those doors of this sanctuary. And each and every one of us <clears throat> is called to be a preacher. Some of us are ordained, but every one of you sitting out there born and born again, bought by the blood, is called to preach the Holy Word of God to, to lost souls out there. Amen? And I pray today, I tell you what, as, I, as my pastor says in Waynesboro, Pastor Paul and you've heard him preach because he's come down here and preached. And uh, uh, he says, you know, it's getting harder and harder to get Christians to go out into the world and to preach the gospel. And friends, that's a sad, sad commentary right there today. It's hard to get Christians, born-again Christians, to get out into the world today. But that's what we need to do, each and every one of us. But as we, we see here in this middle part of chapter 6, Paul deals with the warfare of the believer and he says in verse 10 I hope you have your Bibles open in verse 10 he says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might you know the final section of this book is at hand and, and the Apostle Paul directs your attention therefore and he says these three words finally my brethren and that word finally he said with all that I've already talked about throughout these first six and a half chapters he said, finally, there's one more thing I want you to know. How many, how many of you still write letters today and actually send letters out? Okay, a few of you do, okay. 
but most of you grew up, it looks like, in the age where you wrote letters. And you write a letter, and you start out real nice, and you put things all down through it, but when you get to the very end of your letter, usually that's where you're going to put the most important thing that you want to tell someone. Amen? It's the last thing you're going to say to them in a letter, and you want them to know exactly how you feel and the most important thing that's on your heart. So Paul says, finally, my brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he goes on, and there's several imperatives in this part of the chapter that I want you to see this morning. Imperative number one, if you've got your pen or you've got a highlighter, I want you to highlight it. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now that word translated uh, strong has a literal sense of meaning you are empowered. By extension, this empowering results in strength. Now friends, the greater truth here is to be strong in the Lord means that you and I derive our power through the Lord. Amen? We can do absolutely nothing on our own, but the Bible says that through Christ, anything is possible. And we were talking, I was talking with someone about that just a little while ago. You walk into a public school every day, and you don't walk in on your own power. You walk in on the strength of the Lord. You make it through that day in the strength of the Lord. He placed you there for a reason, and He's going to use you. And I'll tell you what, friends, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Amen? He's going to call you to do His work, and if you don't feel equipped, don't worry about it. Go to Him. Talk to Him, ask for wisdom, ask for strength, ask for, for the right things to do, and He will equip you to do anything that He has called you to do. It's being powered. It's, you know, we get our infinite might, our spiritual power, our mental power, our emotional power, intestinal power, your physical power. We get all of that through Christ. It says in Isaiah 40, 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not be faint. Hear me today, church. Listen very carefully. We are in a spiritual war every day. Amen? You're not fighting against the person next to you. All of this craziness that we see going on in the world today, we see person against person, it is prophecy being fulfilled right in, our, right in front of our very eyes. The Bible tells us, matter of fact, Jesus told us that in the last days, and I'm telling you, we are living in the last days. Jesus said it when he came was the last days. So I know we're living in the last days, but I'm telling you, I believe we're living in the last of the last days. I say, come sweet Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for him. Amen? But I tell you what, he said that, you know, that we are just to look up because your redemption draws nigh. And friends, that's where we get our strength and that's where we get our power from. And it says, I want you to understand that, that what you see going on is not person against person. Jesus said in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars, right? And he, this is this. He said there will be nations that will go against nations. Now, do you understand that word nations doesn't mean the nation of America, the nation of South America. It basically means, the word nation means race against race what's going on today if we're not in a race war I don't know what's going on and friends I'll be honest with you I, I, try, I try not to read the papers 
I try not to look at the news because it's depressing. This is what I want to stay in because this is not depressing. My God is not a God of chaos. Amen? He's a God of order. And I'll tell you what, all you have to do is stay in this. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not upon against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But friends, I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to know that we don't have the strength within ourselves to fight this war. It is the Lord who gives us this strength. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. It says in John 15, 5, it says, Apart from Him we can do nothing. He says, I am the vine and ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me and I in him shall bear much fruit. Friends, how much fruit are you bearing today for God? It says in Philippians 4.13, But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to encourage you this morning to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Let me give you imperative number two very quickly. It says, put on the whole armor of God in verse 17. Excuse me, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Friends, with strength for the battle comes need for spiritual armor. <coughs> which only God can provide. Now, I could spend weeks up here, week in and week out, talking about the armor of God, and I know Pastor Mike has, has no doubt in my mind. But I want to first encourage you this morning to know the sword of the Lord, to know your Bible this morning. It says in verse 17, if you have your highlighter, underline these words, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want you to know that we come to know the Bible by reading the Bible. There was a great British theologian named Charles Spurgeon. Anyone ever heard of him? Of course. Charles Spurgeon was asked how a Christian could obtain a thorough knowledge of the Bible. And this was his reply. Spurgeon said, There are three rules to follow in order to have a deep understanding of the Word of God. And here they are. They're very simple. Number one, read your Bible. Number two, read your Bible. And what do you think number three is? Oh, you learn quickly. Read your Bible. You see, friends, I want to tell you this morning, church, listen very carefully. This Bible does not need to be rewritten. Amen? We've got thousands of versions out there, versions, not the Holy Bible. There's only one Holy Bible. Amen? That's as far as I can see, King James. All the others are versions. Okay? This doesn't need to be rewritten, but friends, it needs to be reread over and over and over again. I had an aunt that passed away many, many years ago, and in her funeral, they had her Bible. And in the front of her Bible, she had listed how many times she had read through her Bible. Sixty-six and a half times. She had read through her Bible. Friends, if you want to know the Bible, rule number one, read the Bible. Rule number two, read the Bible. Rule number three, read the Bible. You see, friends, we need to know our Bible. We need to read it. How much time do you spend reading your Bible during the week? How much time do you spend reading your Bible during the day? 
versus how much time we spend on our cell phones. Just a thought. We come to know the Bible by memorizing portions of God's Word. You know, we teach our children to learn memory verses in Sunday school, don't we? Vacation Bible school, Awanas, do you have Awanas here? Or other churches do, okay? Awana, you know, I know it's not going on now probably, but, you know, Scripture, memorizing Scriptures and everything. But then we get older and all of a sudden we have this excuse, I'm too old, I can't remember things like that. How many of you have ever used that excuse? Oh, I'm the only one telling the truth? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to go ahead and say you didn't, you know. We, we've all done that. Oh, I'm too old. I can't memorize that. But it's interesting. A song comes on the radio and we sing every word of it. Think about it, friends. We need to memorize the word. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God instructed Joshua concerning his word when he said, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. I was listening to Brother Charles Stanley preach one morning, and, and he was talking about meditating on the word of God. He said, How many of you have ever been sitting there, and you've read in your word of God, and you're reading through your Bible, and you're reading through your scripture verses, and all of a sudden this little voice comes into your head and says, Stop. You've just missed something. You ever done that? And all of a sudden, you know, it says, and you don't remember what you had just read. And I want you to understand, you just had an encounter with God. God just spoke to your heart. He said, stop. I've got something back there for you. And you missed it. Go back and reread it. And here's what Brother Charles said. He says, before you go back and read that verse, you know what you should do? Stop and pray. And ask God to open up your spiritual eyes, to open up your heart to what you're getting ready to read and to show you what he has there for. He has something right there because he brought you back to it for a reason. So there's something there. And then you just sit there and you say, okay, God, what is it that you have in that message, in that verse for me and how can I use it and implement it in my everyday life? And at that point, God is just going to come right into your heart. He's already there. And, and the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs is to illuminate and to teach and to open up God's word. And then you go, oh, that's what you had for me. That's good. That's good. Thank you. That's meditating on God's word. Friends, if we're to know the Bible... We need to read it, and we need to memorize it as much as we can. We come to know the Bible by studying it. Study this book for its history. This is one of the best history books. This is the greatest history book ever written. Can I get an amen on that? From cover to cover, they have never found not one thing wrong with this Bible. Not one Everything historically has either already come to pass or will come to pass, just as it is written. Amen? Let me ask you this. How many of you have a red-letter Bible? You know, what does the red letters mean? Yeah, Jesus' words, right? You know, well, I've got a, a better Bible than your red-letter Bible. I've got the R-E-A-D Bible. Now, some of y'all, you'll get that in just a second. Uh, R-E-A-D. You, 
to read. This Bible's been read. Amen? But you know, it's interesting because they say we love the red letter Bible because it's the word of Jesus. Well, isn't every word in here the word of God? Doesn't have to be in red, amen? Every word in here was inspired by God. So whoever wrote it, whatever man wrote it, but it's still inspired by God. I love it. But I love the R-E-A-D Bible. By the way, keep your red letter Bible too. You know, Paul's instructions to a young preacher named Timothy. He said this, he said, Study, which means to be diligent, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, that means to make a straight cut, rightly dividing the word of truth. Friends, what that means is this, we ought to be very careful as Christians today to show ourselves approved by God. Amen? You know, I grew up in a world where when you shook someone's hand, that was your word. A lot of you grew up in the same world. We don't live in that world today. As a Christian, our yea ought to be our yea and our nay ought to be our nay. We ought to be the same in the church as we are out of the church. When people see, see us on, on Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, we ought to be the same as we are right now. And we ought to stand on the holy word of God. Our yea ought to be our yea, and our nay ought to be our nay. But friends, I want you to understand, we ought to show ourselves approved by God, being a good worker, and by correctly understanding His word. We come to know the Bible by reading it, memorizing it, studying it. Friends, we need to know our Bible. Secondly, I want to encourage you to do this this morning. Trust your Bible. Trust your Bible. We need to trust the sword as being divine. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's, it, it's like it says in John 1.14, In the beginning was the what? Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And friends, I want you to understand, that Spirit, that sword of the Spirit, and that word Spirit is a capital S, which means, it tells me, it's talking about God. It's talking about none other than Jesus Christ. So He's the living Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 19. Keep your finger in it. Ephesians 6, very quickly. Revelation chapter number 19, verses 11 through 16. Very familiar verses to you right here. At the end of the, at the, end of the times when Jesus is ready to come back. Not, the, not in the, in the, in the uh, rapture. Praise God, I, I hope you believe in the rapture. Uh, I'm a, uh, you know, uh, pre-tribulation uh, rapture person. And, uh, you know, but uh, I love these verses here in, in the end of the book of Revelation. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called what? Faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen and white and clean. Woo! That's me. That's you if you're born again. Amen? 
If you're born again, when God comes back and you're up there with Him, you're coming back riding white horses, wearing white linen. Amen. Praise God. That's us, friends, right there. The army coming with Jesus. And it says, out of His mouth goeth what? A sharp sword. That's the sword that we're talking about. We're not talking about one that's metal, friends. We're talking about the sword of the Lord. That with it it may might smite the nations, and He shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, friends, we need to trust our sword to be divine, but we also need it to trust it to be dependable. It's dependable. Solomon said this in his dedication to the temple. He said, according to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, that when God makes a promise, He keeps it. Amen? God does not go back on His Word. There are, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises to you and I in this Holy Word, and He will keep each and every one of them, every jot and every tittle that is written in this, in this Holy Word right here, came straight from God, and God does not lie. And friends, I want you, it's dependable. Isaiah 55, 11 says this. If you're a Gideon, you would know this one. It says, So shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and, it, and, it shall, and I shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I want to tell you this morning, church, do not question the dependability of God's word. It is as dependable as God himself. You know, someone may ask you, what do you do if an unsaved man does not accept the authority of <clears throat> of the Bible. Well, let me ask you this question, church. If you went into battle, and you went into a, a physical battle now, not a spiritual battle, we're in that every day, well, you go into a physical battle, and you got this sword with you, and the other person, seems like I've gone away from my mic, and this other person says, well, it looks like your sword that won't cut hot, hot butter. You ever heard that saying? That's an old one. Your sword won't cut hot butter. And you go... Yeah, you're right, so you put it back in and you walk away from them, right? No. You say, well, let me show you. <clears throat> Y'all like that? <clears throat> right? Yeah, it'll cut hot butter. Well, friends, that's what you do with the Word of God. When, when someone says your sword, your sword is, 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 looks like it won't cut hot butter, you say this, friend. You say, <clears throat> this is the Word of God. And it will cut deeply. And friends, it doesn't only cut non-believers. It cuts believers also. You ever been disciplined by God? Come on. You can be truthful now. Praise God for when He disciplines us. Amen? Why? Because that means He, he loves us. You discipline your children because you love them. Amen? That old saying, it hurts me more than it does them. I know we've been there... It, hurts pretty good too but as a parent that is the absolute truth but if we don't do it well just look around what happens when we don't do it you know friends if someone comes up to you and says I'm an atheist I don't believe in that Bible you, you quote Proverbs 12 15 the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but he who heeds counsel is wise or you quote Proverbs 14, 12 to them when it says, this is the way that seems right to man, but its end 
is in the way of death. If someone comes up and they said, I just don't want to hear that stuff from you. I don't want to hear. That's Baptist stuff. You ever heard that? I have a friend of mine, I love him to death. And I, I, I try, to, try to talk to him about the Bible and everything. He says, oh, that's, that's Baptist stuff. I don't want to hear that. Friends, that's not Baptist stuff. That's God stuff. You know, when I go out to preach, my card says, we preach God's word as it is to people where they are. I don't go out and preach Baptist. If I'm in a Baptist church, I can preach Baptist. But I go out to preach Jesus. I love it in the, in the book of Acts chapter 8, where Philip gets up on the, up on the chariot with the eunuch, if you know the story. And he's, the eunuch's reading the word, and he says to, to Philip, he says, what am I reading? How do I know? And it says, Philip took the word and started right where he was and preached Jesus. And preached Jesus. Friend, that's what we need to do. We need to preach Jesus to people today. We don't need to preach doctrine. We need to preach Jesus. You need to trust the sword to be durable. If, if, you know, if someone says, I just don't want to hear it, say, quote this, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I want to tell you this morning, church, the word is durable. It survived all sorts of attacks. It endures all kinds of critics. <coughs> In Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Praise God, it is durable. Listen to the words of this poem called The Anvil, God's Word. Last eve I passed beside a blacksmith's door and heard the anvil ring in vesper chime. Then looking in, I saw upon the floor old hammers, worn with beating years of time. How many anvils have you had, said I, to wear and batter all these hammers so? Just one, said he, and then with a twinkling eye, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so thought I, the anvil of God's word. For ages skeptic, skeptics blows have beat upon Yes, though the noise of falling blows was heard, the anvil is unharmed, the hammer's gone. Hear me this morning, church. God's holy word, the sword of the Spirit, will endure. It's not the book of the month. It's the book for all ages. Amen? It's the book for all ages, and I'm about to finish up right now. boy. Yeah, I got a smile on that one. I did. Lastly, not only do we need to know your Bible, you need to trust your Bible. But friends, it doesn't do any good to know it and trust it if you don't use it. It's no good if it lays on the coffee table all week long and gathers dust until you pick it up on Sunday morning to come back to church. We need to use it when we're tempted. You know the story of Jesus in the wilderness and all the Gospels have the account of the temptation. And at every point, Jesus quoted what? Scripture, the Word of God. Finally, the enemy departed. But friends, a lot of people don't think about this part of it. Satan did depart before a short time. Because Satan will 
When Satan comes to tempt you and you say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, he has to leave. Amen? But he will be back. And he will be back. And he will be back. And you know, friends, someone asked me, is it, is it sin when you, a temptation comes into your mind? And the answer to that is no. You can't keep things from coming into your mind, can you? You can be filled with as much Holy Spirit as you want, but Satan still will bring a temptation into your mind. Amen? It happens all the time. But what you do with that temptation in the next five to ten seconds is where you get into sin territory. When that temptation comes in, you say, get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I don't belong to you anymore. I'm bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, and he has to leave. And friends, I'm telling you, we need, to, we need to quote God's holy word. You need to use it when you're out witnessing. Men need to hear God's word to be saved. There is no other way. It says, so then faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I went to Africa for the first time on my mission trip, we went over to, to find a, the king of a tribe of people called the Nkoya people. We had heard about a tribe that was so far back in the bush that they weren't even in National Geographic. That's back there. A pastor friend of mine and his deacon and myself, we, we flew 16 hours to Johannesburg, South Africa. We flew two hours to Lusaka, the capital of Zambia, where we were going. We drove six hours on a bus, rode six hours on a bus up towards Angola, which is totally unrest in that part of Africa. Six hours to a, a small town called Kaoma and rented a, a, a jeep. And we then drove six more hours into the bush to get to where we were going to share the word of God. We met the king. We talked with the king. We went through a whole ceremony to get with the king. He was sitting on a beautiful hand-carved throne, zebra seat, hand-carved right there. It, it was funny. He had his sceptre and he had, he, had a, <laughs> he had a running suit on. He had a sweatsuit on. It was amazing. We had this whole ceremony. We went in. We knelt down, you know, and bowed before him and all this. And it was just ceremony. And we had to go through a translator. We had heard that he was Christian. But we didn't know for sure. We heard that he could probably speak English, but we weren't sure. But we did know he helped translate the, the New Testament into the Encoya Bible. Just the New Testament. Because they didn't have a Bible in their, in their, the whole Bible in their word. And so we went through this whole ceremony. We were in the ceremony about 45 minutes to an hour, and we had given him presents and everything. And we had one last present to give him. And I'm telling you the story. It does have a meaning to it. This story, this, this baseball cap is what it was. It was a camouflaged baseball cap, had three crosses on the side. And we, we Pastor Mike took it up, knelt before the king, and gave it to him. And I'm taking pictures. I've gotten permission to take pictures of this whole thing, so I'm videotaping all of this. And all of a sudden, Pastor Mike comes back and sits down, and then I hear this laughing going on. And I look up, and the king has the cap pulled down to his eyes, and he's got the biggest grin on his face, and he stops talking through the interpreter, and he starts talking straight to us in English. They said, that doesn't happen until he considers you a friend. So from then on, we forgot the interpreter. And at the end of that, we got permission, blank sheet, a blank sheet of his paper with his name on the top, said that we could go into any, any tribe we wanted to, any, any village we wanted to, and share the gospel. Amen? We lived with them for 10 days in their villages. We ate what they ate. 
<clears throat> we ate what they ate. There's only one thing I couldn't eat, but uh, but anyway. And we walked from village to village just sharing the gospel. We didn't go to build churches. We, brought, we went to bring the Holy Spirit to sow the seed. We wanted God through them to build those churches. But friends, I want to tell you, we got ready to end up that meeting with the, with the king. And he said, ask Pastor Mike, he said, will you pray for me and pray for us? And Pastor Mike, you have to know his, his, uh, his uh, history and everything. He said, I don't speak in Koya very well, but I do speak English. Can I pray in English? And the, and the, the king said yes. And we're all sitting there thinking, what is the protocol to pray with a king? Any of y'all ever prayed with a king? In his place? In front of his throne? And all of a sudden he got up off his throne. And he turned around and he buried his face in his throne and started praying. And I have all of this on video. 18 men crying, just bawling as Pastor Mike prayed to be able to spread God's holy word. When he got up, the king's face was drenched. He took out his handkerchief and he was wiping his eyes. This is what he said to us. And I'll end here. He said, we've been praying for 23 years no, excuse me, we've been praying for 83 years for someone to come and share the gospel. He said, today God has answered our prayers. Now, if that's not powerful, I just got Jesus bumps all over me. They're bigger than goosebumps, by the way. Friends, we need to share the word. We need to use the Bible in our witnessing. In closing, let me say this. The Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, God's holy word, is tremendous in the defense that you and I have against spiritual warfare. It's the only offensive weapon in the whole armor of God. Did you realize that? I know you've heard that before. It's the only offensive weapon. We can go on offense with this. When... When we stand in to face the enemy and we're struggling to win others for Christ, we want them to live victoriously. Can you allow me to tell you one last story very quickly? We were there on that trip. My wife was with me on the second trip. My wife, Teresa, and I took two people from my church. By the way, the two people I took over to Africa with me were 72 years, at eight years young at that time. So don't say you're too old for God to use you because you're not. They went over and walked everywhere we walked. They did everything we did. And God used them in a mighty way. But we were walking down the road one day and over on the left there was a little hut and there were four men laying on a bench around a fire. And it was midday. And we were walking down the road and one of, the pe one of my people said with me, I think it was Ann Smith, said, we need to go down there and talk to those men. And I said, oh, no, we don't need to talk to them. They're, <clears throat> they're down there. They're drunk. It's midday. They've come in. They've been working all, all, all morning, and they've been drinking, and they're laying there, and they're passed out. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Holy Spirit jumped all over me and said, who are you to say no to share the gospel? 
you need to go down there and share the gospel. So we walked down there, all four of us, and sat down, and those men sat up. They weren't drunk. They were taking a nap in the midday in the shade of that little hut. And we sat there, and, and, and the people with me, we have a story that we share called Creation to Christ, and they went through the story, and all four of those men accepted Christ. Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, y'all didn't get it. All four of those men accepted Christ. You know, friends, we need to get excited about people's salvation. Amen? When somebody gets saved, all the angels in heaven's having a party. Yeah, we do party in heaven. They dance in heaven. They sing in heaven. So get used to it, Baptists. They do dance in heaven. Okay? Yeah, Psalm 150 is still in the Bible. Praise God. Go back and read it. But I want you to understand. Man, we got to get excited. If you can't get excited about your salvation, praise God, get excited about mine because I am. Man, I'm out of here. When my time comes, none of this stuff's bothering me. I, I'm sorry it says put mask on. I, I ain't scared of this stuff. God knows when my day's in, and a mask is not going to change that. Praise God. But I want you to understand, we need to share God's holy word. God's sword, we need to know it, right? We need to trust it, but above all, friends, we need to use it. How sharp is your sword? Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for the time that you've given us here today. Lord, I thank you for the music that was so uplifting. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for meeting us in a mighty way here today, Father God, Lord. We needed you. We needed you in this world, Father God, Lord. We need everything that you give us. We need all your blessings. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for our forgiveness of sins. But, Lord, today I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray something has touched their heart today. Lord, I pray that you uh, have reached down and, and pricked their heart, Father God, and today will be their day of salvation. Lord, Father, as, as we get ready for a song of invitation, the invitation is very simple. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you cannot remember a day that you turned your life over and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I don't want to live without you any longer, Lord, Lord, I want to live the rest of my life with you. Lord, I want you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Lord, I, I just don't want to live another day without you. If you can't remember a time that when you said those words or something similar to that and asked Christ into your heart, praise God, I pray when we start singing here, don't allow Satan to keep you in your seat. Just jump up, come, come down the aisle. It's okay to run down the aisle and come to this altar and let me take this good old King James Bible Father, and show you in God's holy word what it means to be born again. But friends, if you are born again, let me talk to you very quickly, Christian. I pray that you're into your Bible every day. You know the sword of the Lord. You, you know it, you use it, you memorize it, you read it. Lord, I just pray that if we need to just come, come down front, if you are not doing daily what Christ has asked you to do, friends, it's this time to get ready to get right, to come to the altar. We won't laugh, we won't judge anyone that comes to the altar because each and every one of us need it. Lord, we say thank you today for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thank you.